earlier in the year, as we do, Talking Health Tech attended the Innovate Health 2022 event in Melbourne. It was a two-day event covering remote monitoring and digital innovations that are enabling diagnosis and home as the centre of care. I was lucky enough not only to be in attendance, but also bring the recording equipment to be able to have a chat with a few speakers as they came off the stage to prepare this podcast episode that you're about to hear. Now, Innovate Health was all about accelerating the growth, uptake and commercialization of digital health innovations across the health industry in Australia. So you'll hear different themes come out in these conversations in a second. One thing I really enjoyed from the event, actually, which you're not going to hear in this podcast episode, but it's worth mentioning, is the Pitch Fest that happened on day two. And the Innovate Health Pitch Fest is happening again next year. And Talking Health Tech is delighted to be a supporter of the Innovate Health Pitch Fest taking place on the 28th of April at the Hilton in Sydney next year. So there's a call out from the organisers for startups to apply for the Pitch Fest for 2023. And it's all taking place as part of Connect Virtual Care, which brings together three specialised conferences and targeted audiences together in one place. So they're bringing together the National Telehealth Conference, the Medication Safety and Efficiency Conference, and the Healthcare Cybersecurity Conference. So this Pitch Fest is a fantastic platform for digital health startups to raise their profile and build those connections with a diverse group of healthcare executives, clinicians, pharma companies, private health insurance companies, government VCs, accelerators, medtech, software providers, you name it. They're all there. So to find out more about the Pitch Fest and to submit your application, go to the show notes of this episode. There's a link across to the Connect Virtual Care website. And you can also find it on our website, the Talking Health Tech website as well. But right now, let's jump into this episode featuring conversations recorded live at the Innovate Health 22 conference in Melbourne. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Oh, let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. My name's Shannon Watt, and I'm the Chief Cardiac Physiologist from Royal Melbourne Hospital. And Shannon, you had one of the duties of being one of the first speakers this morning at Innovate Health. Tell us about what you covered in your session today. The title of my talk was Distance Makes the Heart Grow Fonder. So obviously we have a cardiac focus and my presentation was all about the new technique of follow-up we've developed for pacemakers and implantable defibrillators with remote device interrogation in the pharmacy setting. From what I caught of the session too, it's exciting to hear that some of these ideas that are theoretically possible are actually being used in a practical setting. Is that about right? Yeah, I guess um, we had the technology available prior to the pandemic to do device interrogations in a simplified format for staff that had minimal training, and we did that in an ED setting. But during the pandemic, we had to pivot and change and we needed a way to follow up our regional patients in Shepparton and Albury. And we partnered with some local pharmacies and were able to use that equipment to uh, do device interrogations in the pharmacy. And that information came through to the, the team in Melbourne where we were able to review their data and, and check their devices. And so, so what excites you about the potential in the future for this space then? Uh, look, I think it, it's changing. We now have a lot of patients who uh, are getting home monitors as part of their new implants and home monitors will alleviate uh, sort of patients having to go to the pharmacy for a check, for example, because we can schedule 
a download of the information through their home monitor. So that'll make it more convenient and, and easier for patients. And it will change the way we do things from a hospital setting as well. We won't have patients face-to-face as much anymore, but we'll be reviewing their data online and checking their devices that way. And there was a couple of questions that came from the attendees as well, both virtually and in person. What did you take from those questions about what are the key things on people's mind when it comes to implementing some of these technologies in this space? Yeah, I think everyone was quite interested in finding out you know, what the benefit was for the pharmacies themselves because they don't charge us a, a fee to do this and they don't charge the, the patient. We've certainly in our regional centres in Shepparton and Albury where we've introduced this, it's been really well received and the local pharmacy has been really glad to get on board. One, because a family member had a device and there was a vested interest there, I suppose. But our Melbourne Metro patients, you know, we had an introduction through the Pharmacy Guild of Australia to some of our Melbourne centres and uh, the Pharmacy Guild is certainly um, wanting the pharmacies to be more involved in uh, community-based care and patient-centred care as well. So perhaps that's a new focus for, for them and a benefit for us. So, I mean, Cole Hackwood, Managing Director for the ANZ region for OneView Healthcare. I love it. And, and firstly, tell us a bit about OneView and what they do. Yes, certainly. So, uh, OneView is a point of care experience platform in the patient's bedroom. You'll see a big TV. On that TV, you'll have all of these integrations and these applications that allow the patient to have a superb experience whilst they're an inpatient in the hospital, but also the the unique ability to integrate that experience of the patient with the care experience of of the clinical teams that look after them. So we have a, a number of solutions here in Australia and a number of solutions that we're servicing to clients in, in big US health systems. Uh, we're in four of the top 20 US health systems and we're all across the eastern seaboard here and hopefully soon nationally across Australia in public and private health service settings. So you, Peter, have come in for your knee replacement. Conventionally, you would come into the the bedroom environment. You would see your big TV there and you would watch a couple of channels and try and chill out. It's more than that these days, right? So this is about you seeing on the monitor the team that's looking after you. So you get a direct sense of engagement, I guess, to who's looking after you for the day. You can put in your service requests that that, um, uh, the nurses and the care team will support you with, getting a pillow, I'm a thirsty guy, I need a glass of water every hour or so, please give me a, a, you know, come fill up my jug. Education related, so you're coming in for that knee replacement um, up there on the screen, you can, we can push through the HL7 uh, platform environment that we that we deliver our service on. We can push you information then relevant to your um, admission, but also relevant to what you're having done while you're there in hospital. So it's all about getting a higher level of satisfaction uh, during your inpatient stay. It's all right. We, we don't forget that you, you, you're a binge watcher and you know, coming into hospital interrupts all of that. So you can log in. Uh, to your account under an encrypted private environment after you leave that patient bedroom all of that data that's been captured will be immediately wiped so there's no um, 
no uh, security issue there with the data that's been captured. But you can log in and, and keep binging on uh, whatever it is you're watching <laughs> yeah, at the moment. All the, all the Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, who's I, not th- watching th- it? There'd be a good list there. No, look, no, that makes sense. And it's such a, you know, it's your little control centre as a patient there, particularly when you're a captive audience, for want of a better term, you know, in the inpatient setting. But what brings you to this panel that you were, were sitting on today? Yeah, today we were talking about observations from us in industry about where the, those blooming roots, as it's called, the blooming roots of investment are. And so we were broadly bringing our own in sense of where government is going, where private health and private hospitals are pushing their capital, their recurrent OPEX and CAPEX. And so that was broadly what we were talking about today. And I guess some of the challenges for provision of big digital transformation programs in, in, in our health systems in mm. Australia. And so what did you take as some of the key takeaways from the session today? I heard you talk a little bit about the public health setting as well and some that are doing some good things there. Yeah, I, I mean, three different panellists today coming from three different parts of industry. Davis was representing Medibank and speaking about quite an innovative alliance that Medibank have with Calvary Healthcare here in Australia. And so he, he was speaking about the stand-up programs that, that he was aware of through, through the Calvary work and the, and, the, and the alliance with Medibank during COVID. Dr. Deb Kutchler was on, uh, on the panel as well today here, and she comes with a wealth of experience in terms of public and private roles here in Australia and abroad, and her observations about some of the challenges for government to, to take forward with big leaps and bounds um, investment in, in digital health. And certainly I was, I was bringing my own sense of what I've seen a, a, across my career, which has been in service delivery as, as a nurse, in a not-for-profit space, uh, now in for-profit, but also working um, for the state government in Queensland and, and working in Qatar. Yep. And so lastly, th- this space of you know innovation in healthcare that potentially brings a lot of exciting resources and investment, what excites you the most about this space and what are you looking forward to seeing in the future? I think there has been a remarkable change from the adoption of, of highly it's value-based decision-making associated with the digital health infrastructure that's available to be adopted and deployed across health systems. And I think we have now, through the the virus implications and and having to deal with what we've had to deal with here in in industry and, um, and as health services in Australia in the last two years, we've crossed the chasm of digital infrastructure digital health infrastructure being a nice to have to a must have. It is harder to to deliver health services in our hospitals, in our primary health care setting, in our aged care settings, in our community health industries as well. So I think the that dial has certainly shifted from the nice to have to uh, the must have adoptions. So Shannon Knott, uh, I'm the Rural Director of Medical Services for Western New South Wales Local Health District and also Medical Advisor for Virtual Care for New South Wales Health. Amazing. Lots of cool, innovative things happening out there. What brings you to this event in Melbourne today? So I've come along today, I think, predominantly to be able to learn from experts across the sector. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. 
Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. As well as being able to, I suppose, share part of our journey, both at a grassroots level in Western New South Wales, across sort of rural and remote communities, mm-hmm. uh, but but also, I suppose, providing some of that macro view as well. I've been really lucky to be able to run grassroots virtual care programs over a number of years, but also involved in strategy, involved in the COVID response, particularly in New South Wales around accelerating virtual care through the virtual care accelerator and I suppose sharing some of that knowledge and also hearing what my colleagues across the country are doing. Mm. And so you were up on stage as well in a panel discussion. Tell us about what was being discussed there. Yeah. So um, in the, there was a couple panel discussions. Uh, mm. So the first, first of those was talking about making home the center of care for patients. And so predominantly looking at the role or an expanding role of hospital in the home programs, but also remote patient monitoring and and how we utilize advances in technology to provide safety nets for our patients in the home and in community. And I think one of the key takeaways from that panel was that there is a huge scope for us to be able to revolutionize the way in which we deliver care that that allows us to choose the right patients uh, and, and, and manage them safely in community so that they can be treated in home and live well in community, which is, was ultimately the aim. The other panel that I was involved with, uh, was talking more about the rural and remote context and how do we utilize, I suppose, advances in digital health, advances in virtual care to be able to supplement and support workforce in rural and remote communities, but also address some of those underlying workforce and healthcare inequities that exist in mm. the system. Both of those panels you touched on two really big issues that can be addressed and get talked about when it comes to health in the home or or healthcare in rural and remote communities. One on the workforce side in terms of workforce shortages and availability and just the, the access to staff in key areas. But then on the other side, patients being able to access care, you know, from their own home and when and where they need it. Both of these issues just as, as important as each other. I think always, and, and any clinician or anyone that works in health will always bring what we do back to having the consumer or patient at the center. And so I think ultimately what we need to do is make sure that any care we provide and remembering that digital health or technology, virtual care, 
all they are is an enabler for us to deliver high quality and safe healthcare. And so ultimately we need to go back to those four principles of value-based healthcare. Is what we're doing through this new model or modality, is it improving patient experience? Is it improving clinician experience? Is it improving patient outcomes? And, and, and then looking through that lens around the system and improving the whole healthcare system. And so for us, I think that that importance around patient centeredness, particularly around the patient experience and patient outcomes sits first and foremost. I was at a conference earlier in the week and that conference was talking about how do we ensure well-being of clinicians and then the, the concept of, well, if we're focusing on clinicians, are we not, are we forgetting about patients? And the answer is, is that if our clinicians are actually enjoying their jobs, if they have the tools they need to be able to deliver safe and high quality care, our patients benefit as well. And so that's very, very true for the digital health space. And so the two go hand in hand. How do we support our workforce in mm. delivering high quality and safe healthcare? But also how do we develop models of care that provide wraparound support for our patients in a way that they want to experience their care, but also in a way that allows them to get best benefit from. That's a, it's a, it's a good way to look at it. And I think about, it's funny coming to these conferences and talking about things in, in theory and, and the concept of, and, and theoretically this could solve a lot of issues. There's the real healthcare world. We all will kind of leave a concept, then we go back to the real world of, of healthcare. And it's always funny talking about remote care and doing virtual consults and having that in a hybrid event like this. And then there's, there's always going to be technical issues where someone can't join and stuff like that. So it kind of highlights the point that there's challenges, even connecting people to talk about the issue, let alone actually delivering the care with a demographic that might not be so digitally inclined or, or be, be native in, in using technology. So out in the real world in inverted commas. Do you find that there's still a lot of barriers when it comes to just some of the basics of connecting with people with infrastructure or with the technology that's needed to do video consults or something a bit more advanced like remote monitoring? Are we still a long way from having it easily and accessible for everyone? So I'll start by saying in the, in the real world, not just even in the digital health or virtual care context, mm. in the real world, there is no model of care that's perfect. Yeah. And, and I think the old adage around perfectionism is the enemy of progress is it rings really true in this environment. And so if we wait until we have everything perfect, we will fail to keep progressing forward. And mm. so that's something that we need to have at the back of our minds. In saying that, to directly answer your question, have we removed all the barriers that exist? No, we haven't. Uh, we're still a long way from that. And one of the risks and this came up in the panel earlier today. One of the real risks with digitized healthcare or virtual care is that if we're not careful, we may actually, I suppose, inadvertently create further divide between the haves and have nots. Yeah. And so what we need to make sure is that whatever program that we're running, if, it, if it's truly entering into patients' homes and providing care into patients' homes, that we make sure that we can do that in environments where patients from low socioeconomic backgrounds or geographically dispersed backgrounds or culturally diverse backgrounds can access care that is safe and high quality. That may look different in different parts of Australia and for different cohorts, but the premise around safety and quality 
making sure that we evaluate and we measure our programs and make sure that the outcomes that we're achieving are those that we've aimed to achieve in the first place is incredibly important. And so I think those barriers, particularly around connectivity, mm-hmm. uh, are going with with a country the size of ours, with dispersed remote populations, but even in some subsections of metropolitan Australia, mm. there's, there's black spots yep. and so on and so forth. We've got a long way to go in terms of that connectivity, in terms of also allowing us to get the tools we need out into systems. When you think about some of our public health systems in different jurisdictions, so different states in Australia, are still utilising hybrid EMR and paper systems. Mm -hmm. That is a fundamental sort of enabler for us to move ahead in a digital journey. When we can't do that in highly funded, resource-rich environments, we're going to really struggle in less, uh, I suppose, rich or resource-poor environments, and, and particularly those people that live in vulnerable communities. Really good point. Lastly, then, any final thoughts or things you're taking away from the session so far or things that excite you about this particular space, particularly when it comes to healthcare in the home? I think one of the things that excites me most about all of this, and a couple of the speakers and panelists have mentioned it today, is that the digitization and sort of the adoption also of virtual care is one of the greatest reforms of healthcare in our sort of generation. Mm-hmm. There, it's going to take significant work, so that that's a little bit scary. But the opportunity there that that may bring is actually a really exciting component. I think. As we do progress in this journey, we do need to be careful. Like with any time that change is implemented, we need to be able to reflect. We need to be able to learn from mistakes that we've made in the past. And, mm-hmm. and again, that concept of there's no such thing as failure unless you fail to actually improve on mm-hmm. your mistakes previously mm-hmm. actually rings true here. And so for us, as we move forward, we need to one, not make mistakes that we've made in the past and learn from the past. And then two, we need to be able to move into an environment where we are truly wrapping patients at the center of care and enabling both patients, clinicians, and health systems to have the tools that they need to be able to deliver the safest care that's high quality as they can. I'm Kate Munnings, and I'm the Chair of the Digital Health Cooperative Research Centre and the CEO of Virtus Health. Amazing, Kate. You you opened the day today. Tell us about the, the, the session that you shared with everyone at Innovate Health. So my topic was quite broad, but it was something that I'm very passionate about. It was titled, The Future is Digital. So I started by, I guess, arguing the why, why the future needs to be digital. What is the challenges that we're trying to address from the aging population, the volume of treatments now that the healthcare services have to offer, the workforce challenges um, pre-COVID and post-COVID, where you've got sort of not enough resources to service the demand, and then the outcomes, you know, the, the amazing outcomes that technology could offer people, both in accessibility, in experience, and then in better healthcare. So I talked about that. Then I touched on my role at the Digital Health CRC and some of the work the CRC is doing. And then what we're doing, Virtus Health, as a healthcare services provider, 
to transform what we do digitally. Yeah. We're at this point, I think you mentioned something in your session about if it's not done from within the, I'm probably going to butcher this a little bit, but if, it, if it's not done from within the healthcare industry, then someone else will do it. Yeah. So it's better that we, we innovate through digital from within the healthcare space. Yeah, Do that's right. If right? we don't yeah. disrupt ourselves. And yeah. I think the visual I had behind me at the time was the acquisition of One Medical by Amazon, which they are committed. And I know it's US based, but there is, there is applicability in our country that they're offering a subscription to consumers to be able to access primary care from anyone. So if people do take up different models of care. And if we don't, as healthcare service providers and payers and government disrupt ourselves, people from other industries will come in and offer what the consumer wants because we're not doing it now at any level. You yeah. know, like we heard, we heard a lot this morning about accessibility for remote and regional. We heard about hospital in the home, all those things. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the conversations are about funding and clinic and safety and things like that. But we work in hospitals currently, one in 10 people who enter a hospital is harmed. So is the current, is the status quo safe? Is the, I think we do have a problem that we need to solve, yeah. you know, so. There's that fine balance between, you know, we're an industry obviously that needs to be very cognizant of risk and do no harm in the first instance. However, it can be very easy to then lean heavily into that and have that as a reason not to innovate. So yeah. that mindset of how to shift the thinking in healthcare is going to be really important. Well, um, I did a couple of speaking circuits with Jane Herlicker a couple of years ago when she was the CEO of Jetstar and our presentation was called If Hospitals Could Fly. At the time I was running Ramsey Healthcare's Australian Hospitals, we talked about the fact that medical errors is the third largest killer in, in the US, and that would be the equivalent in the airline industry of two A380s crashing every week. Wow. We would never tolerate that in the airline industry. And there's a lot of parallels. Safety is critical. You've got pilots who are a key stakeholder and they're not employed. They're often independent contractors like doctors are. You've got technology coming into the airline industry. You know, today a, a pilot and he flies for about five minutes of the, of the journey. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, a, there's a lot of parallels yet the safety record of airlines since they've adopted some of the technologies is far greater than what it used to be. And we as a community would not tolerate two A380s crashing every week, but we tolerate 250,000 people in the U S dying from medical errors every week. Absolutely. So. That's, a, that's a great, that's a great comparison. Thinking about your session that you had today, there were some good questions that came from attendees. What, what did you take as the vibe or some of the key points that, that attendees are starting to think about after the session and throughout these coming days following the talk? Yeah, I think the role of AI in healthcare is, is a big one. You know, like there's, there's both fear and enthusiasm towards it. And I think both are right. I think, I think it's important to realise that digital technologies and things like capabilities like AI are never going to replace humans. Mm. And I don't think anyone's pitching them as replacing humans, but that's sometimes a misunderstanding. We're promoting them as enhancing human um, capabilities and reducing human error. Like humans can't uh, consume the volume of published knowledge there is today. So you need help to be able to enhance your own experience by access to information from public, published knowledge, from your own clinical data, and from, you know, in my 
case in Virtus Health, we actually, we used an algorithm to identify the micro changes in photographs of embryos taken every seven minutes for 10 days. Like a human could not consume that sort of information. So it's information a human can never have that now humans are using to really test their experience, instincts, judgment, and help improve outcomes. Yeah. And lastly then, Kate, is is that the thing that excites you most about the future of healthcare, the role of artificial intelligence and the role that that plays in innovating healthcare? Or what else excites I, you about the future I think of it's that technology is going to really help us solve some of our health and social issues. I think it that there's, there's challenges, but I think it makes us more connected. I think that it could be very effective in preventative and population health decisions. I think that it can improve outcomes and I think it will improve the experience of working with the healthcare system. And that makes, we talk about equity of access, but it's really equity of outcomes. And I think, you know, the sort of reach that technology has means that there can be good outcomes for more people. Yeah, good. Just don't sweat. No, (laughs) I never do. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us your name and where you're from, please. I'm Errol Harvey and I never swear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Much. (laughs) And where are you from, Errol? Okay, I'm with the Aikenhead Centre for Medical Discovery, ACMD, and also with the Bionics Institute. Amazing. And so so what keeps you busy? We're setting up a new research institute, the ACMD, and it's all about translation of medical technology into practical application. And our big focus and our catch line, if you like, is that engineering's the focus for medicine. The future of medicine is engineering. Okay. The, the future of medicine is engineering. Tell me a bit more about that. Well, look, if you, if you look around you, especially where we are now, everything you see has been put there by an engineer, right? The whole world that we live in has been engineered. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that when you're in a hospital, when you're in a health setting, when you're in a clinic, when you're anywhere else, of course the things that you're working with have had an engineer in there. And while we've got fantastic biotechnologists, uh, data scientists and all that sort of stuff, how you get that into a real-life product that people are using takes engineering. And so that's part of what we're going to be doing. Got it. Okay. And so so those that are in healthcare on a day-to-day, how do they take that information about, you know, things in health being about engineering? What does that mean? Okay. So let's take a couple of hardcore ones. One of our partners at ACMD is the Bionics Institute, and they have several research programs, one of which is implanting electrodes onto the surface of the brain to monitor brain activity, which can then be translated to a mobile phone and can be used by the clinician to help epilepsy sufferers. The big back-end work there is all about data science, that's engineering, but the implanted device itself, the batteries, the electronics, the electrodes, of course that's all engineering too. So that's an easy one where you can say that is pure engineering. But if you look at another potential application area, stem cells, Uh, we got a project where we're harvesting stem cells from the cartilage of people with osteoarthritis. And then you take those stem cells, multiply them up, add them to an ink, uh, it's a polymer, 
and then put it into a cartridge which the surgeon can hold. We call it a pen, like a 3D printer pen, and you can write those stem cells directly into the damaged site of a knee joint. Of course, it's regenerative medicine. That, that's the field that it's at. But the delivery of all of that is engineering. And we're working very closely with the surgeons in developing that process. And I guess that's a really important part of ACMD is having the clinicians involved right from the get-go, including allied health professionals, because they're the ones whose jobs get impacted by what we're doing. So of course we need them involved in, in the development of those processes too. And so you're speaking at the event tomorrow, as I understand, a little bit about this topic, it sounds like? Yeah, look, one of the issues about health is that it, and it's been mentioned a couple of times today, the um, purchase process, the decision process, the use process, who benefits is more complicated than any other industry that I've ever worked in. There are different players along that whole chain. And if you don't get your new product or innovation aligned with all of those players, then you're struggling to get it implemented. So that's one thing. But another thing is that good product development is a process. There are a series of well-understood steps that you have to go through. And if you follow a process well, you'll get your regulatory compliance right, you'll get your business model right, you'll bring your use case, your end users along with you, and you have a much better chance of success. Is that some of the key takeaways you're hoping people will get from the session tomorrow? You know, lean into the regulatory side, let it be your friend. And Yes, the regulatory system is there to help you. Mm. It's not a barrier. Mm. Look, there are some pretty obvious steps which I'll talk about to help you succeed. There's no guarantee of success, but avoiding them is a pretty good way to guarantee failure. Any other final thoughts? I think the other thing that Stephen Harriet touched on today in the meeting was around hype. And it's something we've got to be very careful of, particularly in health, where it's very easy to overpromise what a technology can do. And it avoids the big, long pathway that it takes to get these things into clinical practice. I'm trying not to provide a, a value judgment of hype, but I think people need to realize that it exists and make sure they know where their particular pet technology is in terms of hype and make sure you're comfortable that that's the place it's going to be. Don't be surprised later that, oh, gee, it's all gone pear-shaped and what happened there? It's all expectations. It's all expectations. Love it. Cool, man. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player and it should just take you straight there. Thank you.